Good morning. Merry Christmas. We're so glad that you are here and uh, joining us, some folks joining us online, and so we welcome you, whether you're in the room or uh, at home. I purposely, y'all, put those little tables a little farther in the aisle, hoping folks would come on and sit a little closer and you're still spread out all over the room, but that's okay. If you're watching from home, we have a really nice crowd in, in the room this morning, um, but you know, they're back row Baptists and side Baptists and all that stuff, so not down, down front. But we're so glad that you're here. Thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your Christmas morning. I know some of you got up this morning and had Santa Claus and then made your way. Others are going to lunch and we'll have uh, some gifts then. But it's wonderful for us to be together. Today is casual, um, and we, uh, Amy said she didn't know what was going to happen in the service because we put it together a week ago, and we haven't looked at it since then. And so we hope that maybe the Holy Spirit happens this morning, you know, and you get something out of it. So we're glad to have you here. We're going to do a lot of singing today. We're going to enjoy some good music, um, and we will be together to fellowship. So thank you so much for coming. Let us worship God together. Awake, awake, and greet the new morn, for angels herald its dawning. Sing out your joy, for Jesus is born. Behold, the child of our longing. 
come as a baby, weak and poor, to bring all hearts together, to open wide the heavenly door, and lives now inside us forever. Welcome to worship on this Christmas morning. We're going to do some singing, and we're even going to let you just stay seated and just sing and enjoy that as a little gift. My father spent 50 years as a Baptist pastor, pastor of a local church, but he was also a baritone soloist. And all of my childhood is filled with memories of my dad singing, singing from the pulpit, uh, singing at civic clubs and women's organizations around town, around the country for a national civic organization. As soon as, it, as his children began to show any musical ability, he started dragging us on stage with him. and. Uh, I guess I'm doing the same. Um, as soon as my boys started showing any musical ability, I started dragging them on stage with me. And it's such an honor for me to be able to play and sing with my kids, um, to be able to play with Bennett um, 
who's a much better trumpet player than I, but it's just a wonderful joy. This morning, we got here, and Jackson pulled out his trombone from my office and said, can I play? And I said, I don't know. Can you play? <laughs> it's, I think it's been five years, but uh, I said, sure, you can play. Um, and, uh, and when you get married into the Dean family, apparently you get drug on stage, too. And so Madison Porter Dean... Uh, who grew up in this church has been on this uh, stage a lot of times but never with the Dean family. I'm so grateful that she's willing to come this morning and for our sermon time the Dean family wants to share with you today. It's called The Greatest Story Ever Told but the Christmas story you know this wild tale about God coming to us born to a peasant family no room in the inn God, wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a feeding trough, appearing in the most meager and unexpected of circumstances, this story is only really great if it becomes real to us, for us, with us, in us. Now, I keep telling you that there's more than one way to read the Bible. One way of reading the Bible, here's the Christmas story as an event of history. Beautiful, miraculous, but self-contained in the past. Another way of reading the Christmas story hears in every word something more like beautiful poetry. Something more like a metaphor. The hint that it's really all about us, not just about them. In a journey to Bethlehem, not so much an artifact of history, but a journey each one of us needs to take. In the announcements to Joseph and Mary, opportunities for our own lives. In the story of Jesus, not just a miraculous once-for-all birth, but a metaphor of the way God really is revealed to us. In Christ, not just the Word made flesh long ago, but a hope for God's literal presence for this world in each one of us. He gives us the power to become children of God. In his poem called Christ Climbed Down, Lawrence Ferlinghetti speaks of this present reality of understanding. What is the second coming of Christ? And how will it be made real in this world? Something that happens out there or something that happens right here? I want to invite you to listen now to the poem. Christ climbed down from his bare tree this year and ran away to where there were no rootless Christmas trees hung with candy canes and breakable stars. Christ climbed down from his bare tree this year and ran away to where there were no gilded Christmas trees and no tinsel Christmas trees. No tinfoil Christmas trees. And no pink plastic Christmas trees. And no gold Christmas and no black Christmas trees. And no powder blue Christmas trees hung with electric candles and encircled by tin trains and clever cornball relatives. Christ climbed down from his bare tree this year and ran away to where no intrepid Bible salesman covered the territory in two-tone Cadillacs and where no Sears Roebuck creches, complete with plastic babe and manger, arrived by parcel post the babe by special delivery, and where no televised wise men praised the Lord Calvert whiskey. Christ climbed down from his bare tree this year and ran away to where no fat, handshaking stranger in a red flannel suit 
and a fake white beard, went around passing himself off as some sort of North Pole saint, crossing the desert to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, in a Volkswagen sled, drawn by rollicking Adirondack reindeer with German names and bearing sacks of humble gifts from Saks Fifth Avenue for everybody's imagined Christ child. Christ climbed down from his bare tree this year and ran away to where no Bing Crosby carolers groaned of a tight Christmas and where no Radio City angels ice skated wingless through a winter wonderland into a jingle bell heaven daily at 8.30 with midnight, midnight mass matinees. Christ climbed down from his bare tree this year and softly stole away into some anonymous Mary's womb again, where in the darkest night of everyone's anonymous soul, he awaits again an unimaginable and impossibly immaculate reconception, the very craziest of second comings. The words to O Little Town of Bethlehem include the line, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. Is this literal or metaphorical? Like scripture, is it prose or is this poetry? How does Christ come only 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem? Was that an amazing fact of history, or is it something even more remarkable than that? We think that the scripture is trying to tell us that Christ comes when he is born in us. Today, this Christmas, the second coming is when Christ is born in any and every anonymous Mary's womb. That's yours that's mine, with uh, hearts open to being changed, wombs within every person capable of giving birth to a wild vision, God with us. So listen with new ears as we sing Ferlinghetti's poem, Here's Our Family's Hope for Us All This Christmas, that the craziest second coming that the poem speaks about might be made real today in all of us. Imaginable, 
and pray that the second coming of Christ has come today in you.